Team Rabbit Hole Edition 166. Without love in the dream, it will never come true with Wayne Mathias. Join the team as we catch up with a repeat guest and San Fran friend Wayne about love, apocalypse, reality, and San Francisco. Welcome. Hi, it's good to be back. Yeah, dude, it's been a hot minute. So I think the last time you were on, actually, it might have been a Death Card episode. Uh, 166 is going to um, reduce to 13, and that is death. I know that this too shall pass. The Death Card is about ending of a major phase to be trusted, surrendering, awakening to life and new growth, stripping yourself bare, shuffling off your current identity, and rebirthing yourself. Raphael, what is the Galactic Heritage Card? Here we have number 58, Orion, seduction and addiction, present timeline. Each time we engage in a habit or thought pattern, it grows stronger. We eventually crave the fulfillment of the habit like a drug. The thought of fulfilling that habit acts like a seduction for the ego. It must engage in this behavior pattern in order to feel normal. This is true for our addiction to polarity, judgment and categorization. We are compelled to judge everything we see or experience in order to make sense of reality and feel safe. But if our consciousness, and thus our planet, is going to transform, we must learn to resist the seduction of this addiction, which will shift us to a transcended state. So, Wayne, out of curiosity, do those cards resonate? And if so, how? Well, I would say that... um... On the personal level, I would say that uh, I'm learning how to um, <laughs> um, navigate the timeline in a way that it uh, tries to defuse the polarization or um, get above it. You know, because after all, that's the one of the the senses that people are getting these days is that things are coming to a head <laughs> in this country, in, in the USA anyway. And, um, I, I'm learning now about what does it mean to be, um, part of this to be, you know, and uh, in the best possible way. Uh, and part of that I think is, uh, uh letting go of, the uh, forms of identity that we have been conditioned to think of as who we are, um, because what we are is really much vaster than that, whatever it, we've been told. <laughs> and, um, you know, and at the same time, there's a thing about finding um, the right kind of humility, because even though you know you're even if you are vaster and have trem- much more potential than anybody ever suspected, um, we're still part of something that's so big <laughs> that uh, that one has to be careful about becoming um, caught up in the will to power, you know, 
seduced. There is a there's a thing about magic because you know. Let's say we take it as a given that the 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 universe is made of magic from top to bottom, as Terence McKenna put it. Well, that there is a strong temptation to try to sort of work that, you know, as a in the in the way that um, uh, magicians do. And uh, I think that uh, the the ways in which that can play out. Well, you know, if we were looking at our popular mythologies, we could see how you have, you know, um, on the high, higher level, you've got Gandalf. You know, <laughs> most of us are maybe only wishing or fantasizing that we might be the Gandalf in our personal drama. But uh, that could. How that happens, or whether that's even a desirable end, that's a whole other thing. I'm just beginning to scratch the surface of that. Do you ever have your own personal revelations about, I mean, you've been going through a lot this year, Jim. I think we all have. I don't, I mean, I know I have, (laughs) yes, uh, personally, but I think, I mean, I can't, yeah. Uh, whether relationally <laughs> or whatever. So, um, I, what in regards to what you were kind of saying about magic, it's funny because like Raphael pulled the seduction, and I forgot the other word. Now I'm spacing. Um, card, right? Addiction. Mm-hmm. Addiction, right? And I think the addiction to it's ironic because we do have power, but like you know, letting go of that, it, it's a weird balance. I'm kind of curious to what Raphael thinks because I think it's a matter of wielding power well, but that's knowing when to use it, when to submit it. You know, that's why, like, you know, the first shall be last, the last shall be first kind of thing. I think people who pursue the number one spot, and ironically, I was just telling you in the green room that I'm learning Japanese and, like, crushing all these skulls and getting first place in all these leagues and stuff. Um, and it's only so fulfilling. Like, I mean, I'm, mm-hmm. it's challenging and fun, but, like, at the end of the day, I'm like, I don't know. I'm, I'm realizing some things about competition in a sense where I'm like something about us and it's weird because i think it's an animal primitive part or something um that has a function to it like a survival mechanism like get ahead you know be on top like all that Mm -hmm. stuff but then like we can transcend that i think it's like the difference between root chakra and heart chakra kind of stuffs um i'm kind of rambling but with the what you were saying about gandalf i mean everyone can be gandalf the white but everyone is also sauron or whatever Mm-hmm. So it's like we have it all within us, and then it's just a matter of not feeding one wolf at the exclusion of the other. Because if all you do is goody two shoe shit, it's like, man, your shadows are going to be real ratchet when they come out. Um, <laughs> you know, like we can delude ourselves into thinking we're perfect or you know holy or something like that. And in our imperfection, we're we're perfect. It's not end up being you know oh I fasted and I don't eat food. I'm a breatharian now. Yeah, it's like okay. I mean, I'm not mocking that, but it's like at some point it becomes like a self righteous trip. And that can go into the dark or the light, kind of. Um, and with the seduction and addiction, that's the whole point of the dark side of the Star Wars situation, where you know Senator Palpatine in Return of the Jedi, um, and, and even even beyond, like when uh, Darth Vader is turning into Darth Vader, Anakin's turning into Darth. It's like the seduction of the fear, the seduction of trying to fix things with our power, which mm-hmm. is real and it can have effects. But at the same time, they're usually unintended consequences. We're usually reacting from a place of passion, almost. Just briefly, or, I'm not yeah, sure yeah. if that's a, a Palpatine, Palpatine uh, timeline, but isn't the whole origin story as to why Anakin even becomes Darth Vader is because he basically wants to resurrect his wife. 
Well, he wants to prevent her dying, so he has a fear of her dying, and then also yeah, that in he turned to the dark is like a huge ignorant thing to me at least you know right and then palpatine was seducing him he's like i've got a power the jedi won't tell you about and it's to overcome death death card it's like i'm like hey mm. the dark art but we know how to do it and it's weird but we can do it and right before that he kind of was dealing i mean the movie right before that his mom died right um and like he was like i was helpless instead of being you know okay with being powerless he thirsted for the power to not have that happen again so when padme was like you know he's having visions of padme he's like i'm not gonna lose you like i lost my mom so his fear of death seduced him to the dark side both cards bada bing oh um another aspect of that whole that um the death uh, card um i was thinking about how um one of the things that might be a a healthy um, reaction to the world as it is today is letting go of one's attachment to what used to be. And in other words, attempts to hang on to or recreate the old normal will probably just result in more suffering. because some clearly something new is supposed to happen. <laughs> it is happening. I mean, we're just been, waylaid with so many um developments let's say that kind of uh, feels like jonah it's like hey you guys don't want to do it the right way we'll throw you in the water <laughs> or whatever so but i think it's all good but i totally hear you in a sense it feels like um in a sense it feels kind of like uh yeah those who are going to try to fight for an old guard or like an old way um Mm -hmm. and ironically even in star wars the whole point was like everybody was like oh my gosh anakin you were supposed to bring balance to the force in a (laughs) sense he did i've seen an interesting meme recently where it's like he the jedi were lazy the jedi were Mm -hmm. self-righteous and lazy and kind of just like shitty space cops or something like that and they were just kind of Mm -hmm. chill and because of their lackadaisical nature and their you know superiority complex whatever was going on they weren't looking they did you know yoda and fucking mace Windu were like we 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 were unable to sense this like they became like there was a hubris almost a spiritual hubris so it's like the balance to the force was the dark side coming in and it and it's not easy to grok all the time but it's like this you know death card is like you you know it destroys and disintegrates like the caterpillar dies to become the moth it's not fun for anybody involved but it's necessary yeah um one of the things i was um thinking of bringing up today was um the uh our relationship to past present and future and the inner and the outer worlds in other words well let me kind of like reverse engineer this a bit um lately and i don't know if you might have felt this in your own way um it feels more and more like the um the exterior world which is obviously loaded with events that we apparently have no control over um can actually be uh, a mirror of the inner world and and maybe this is all kind of obvious to some folks, but uh, I've been also thinking about the nature of events unfolding in cycles or in, uh, or you could liken it to ripples. Um, I'm trying to find the terminology. Now, folks like Terrence McKenna or Greg Braden were using terms like fractal time and 
fractal waves and that kind of, you know from a, a visual metaphor point of view that kind of makes sense it's starting to make sense anyway um is it, am i am i is any of this connecting because <laughs> i can i can yeah, try yeah. Rafael, okay. i'm kind of curious um is, what do you um, think well maybe the question then would be uh i mean to me, it's a, it's a given in terms of, you know, hermetic principles or whatever, what you put out is what you get back. You are not in a physical reality, but you actually are the entirety of the reality that you can perceive. It literally is yourself. It literally is your mirror reflection. However, of course, uh, depending on how kind of clean your own mirror is, it will be more easily discernible that it is you. And also, it's not always necessarily a moment-to-moment, -moment, one -on one-on-one match that you could consciously recognize. And in addition to that, then, is the great uh, trick, I guess, not to assume that because anything is happening, it may even be uncomfortable or apparently unpreferred, to then assume that one has done something wrong in terms of are you guilty, you manifested mm -hmm. the plague or something or the, you know, imprisonment, let's say, of the entire population. But the question always remains then, how do we respond? And of course, in my view, as I'm pretty sure we are, are overall on a positive and integrative timeline, then all of these events are just like accelerated catalysts, where again, it's not about, oh, now this non-preferred thing is happening or people are fighting over this thing. And, you know, there's this conflict potential, but actually to see the, you know, the potential for further acceleration, healing and resolution. Just like one could say that, you know, differences between individuals or in the personal issues, family issues, everyone had them before already, but now being pressure cooked a few months at home, they're revealed for sure, you know, and probably also because of the astrology and so on and so forth. Oh, yeah, I'm sure we'll, we'll get into the astrology pretty soon. Uh, um, one thing that I was thinking about in terms of... Um, how my own um, states of mind or self-expression of those states might affect outer events. Um, as you know, if you go on social media, you'll easily find folks who have been speculating about the decline and fall of the U.S. into um, either a kind of pure dictatorship or um, civil war. And I have... Uh, till now, I have decided not to add to that. Uh, not because I don't think I have anything, any details to contribute. If you wanted to look into the into past history and other places, you absolutely can find parallels. But I'm not interested in us repeating <laughs> the past cycles. I really would like to have, you know, this go around. I'd like to have something new and better happen in terms you know if if each of these ripples or cycles or turns of the wheel uh are supposed to could actually lead to different results i'm all for that <laughs> yeah in some weird way i'm not sure how to explain it but like i guess it's like a screw potentially where it's always rising we go over the same old ground to quote pink floyd um but we change, but that change is a choice. We could try to hold on to what was, and then we just are doomed to repeat. I mean, that's a reality. But at some level, there is, you know, the river's never the same twice. It's kind of paradoxical. So it seems like um, 
you know, a lot of the kind of myths that we've been telling ourselves as a nation, as men, as women, as, you know, economic beings, as whatever, like all these, (laughs) there's a lot of levels of things where it's like, you know, we've probably hit a point in the river where it's starting to pick up speed and there's rapids and we don't, and we think we hear a waterfall basically. Mm -hmm. And it's like that happened at Rome. Although, you know, Italians survived ultimately to some degree or whatever, uh, or it happened to England. Um, they diminished in power. America is kind of waning, it seems. Um, or whack, uh, not waning, yeah. Um, in terms of just a lot of stuff, like, you know, morale and, mm-hmm. and identity and stuff. Um, but we just, you know, Gandalf said of us, it's like, you, you can't choose, you know, all you can do is I'm gonna butcher it, but like at some point, it's like all you can do is like what you, the time you've been given, like how do you respond during those times? Mm-hmm. Like you can't guarantee. Like you think anybody wants to be fighting Sauron and having the war of the ages in the fucking, you know, the third Return of the King? It's like that wasn't fun. Well, here I would say everybody wants it because otherwise we definitely wouldn't be here. I'm pretty sure about that, actually. Right, and we've discussed this before, and I know it doesn't feel like this, but like in the Civil War, like. It would the war was officially declared as over, and then it took a long time for people to catch that drift or whatever because of technology and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was little skirmishes. I do think a lot of the shifts have occurred, and now we're just trying to figure out how to adapt. I don't. I mean, in a weird way, even like let's just say the worst case scenario, let's say that the dollar ceases to be a value, and all of a sudden, like you mm-hmm. know, all the markets collapse fully. It's like we're all going to still look. I mean, panic might happen, and some people might get really selfish and shit, but it's like there's more people, I think, that want, I would think, more people can learn to, like, these are the challenges we've we've manifested. This happened in World mm-hmm. War II and in very different, you know, every era has, mm-hmm. has big issues, and they overcome them, and they can grow through them, and then everybody's own trip kind of, you know, reflects where they're at in their own journey in those times. But uh, it's, you know, we're kind of just along for the ride in a sense. And yeah, there's some rapids and maybe even some big drops. Um, it wasn't just going to be a fucking lazy river. <laughs> we were told mm-hmm. it was going to be a lazy river forever and there was going to be Kool-Aid in the, as the water. And we could drink it and just like, you know, get a tan or whatever. It's like, uh, <laughs> like maybe we have some work to do. And um, we've been kind of, I mean, it's not bad. I'm not trying to like make this a moral thing, but I think a lot of people have been very selfish and and lazy for a long time and i think now maybe we're being called to like actually do some reformation and um some growth but growth hurts growth pains hurt they're not fun um and it gets tricky i'm kind of curious Rafael, what you think because especially in a consumer culture like we tend to be like i want the easy button i want the most fun and on the one hand like we can have that because i know Rafael is all about like the path of, path of least resistance but the path of least resistance sometimes goes over fucking canyons and crags and bramble you know it's like that might be the best path in a sense sometimes for sure i mean we just i just had a show in german about uh, archetypes and tarot we've been discussing the lovers and the choice and also you know like all this talk about comfort zone and so on that's why it's a bit unrelatable to me in a sense we're discussing and said like well just to put it very simply yeah the right hand path also including positive polarization integration unconditional love may initially appear like you know there's some resistance to it or uh, that it's that it's harder let's say than just remaining static in whatever habit and also including you know any construct of for example because that america is uh, waning 
And I was thinking, I was like, well, I'm not sure if I agree, but of course, uh, regarding probably quite a few values, and this will apply worldwide, certainly a lot of culture is waning, but that's, you know, very good thing. Um, but then overall, if you would look at it and ask what is the real path of this resistance, just like you said, it may sometimes be across chasms or, uh, you know, staring into or even walking into the abyss or something. However, ultimately, this may be, in a sense, the easier path and it may not always be comfortable. But the idea otherwise is if you remain unmoving, even according to law of one, you will just get uh, bombarded with catalysts until you eventually polarize, meaning make a choice. So uh, kind of, you know, taking the cue and then, you know, starting to roll with it, uh, of course, also from my perspective is preferable. Another perspective is that also according to one's own template, many individuals like to shove, you know, spiritual questions and real say, values and self-honesty and self-investigation to the latter part of their life or just choose to ignore it for quite a, for quite some time and then they have to deal with later on but you can also do it differently you can deal with it as soon as you become aware of it and dive into it and then kind of settle that thing um yeah it's funny coming it's 222 here so i think it's kind of funny um i'm thinking of indiana jones the temple of doom with short round <laughs> and uh, Dr. Jones, Indiana Jones. And like, they have some weird relationship. It doesn't really explain how, but he's like his driver in a getaway thing. Right. Uh, and then they end up flying and having, you know, going through all these kind of like the raft. I mean, like the planes leave and they're like, Oh my God, we wake up. There's no pilot, not an ideal situation, but it's the situation they find themselves in. Right. So they have to get the raft and then they take it and they go into a river, go down the river. Um, that wasn't the scene I was thinking about ultimately, um, because that's when they roll up into a village and the village is all like, well, we need your help because our deity crystals are gone, help, or whatever. But um, well, the thing that was coming to mind was one that, that, you know, they're walking, they found this fucking, uh, there's all this sexual tension between Steven Spielberg's wife, who's uh, that blonde chick, and um, Indiana Jones, and they're like in the other other's <laughs> rooms, and he's feeling up the uh, statue and finds up, or finds this uh, secret passage or whatever. Um, they go down that hall and they get to that place with the, um, they walk in and they don't really look where they're going. I mean, it's like, I pulled a card in my daily card jam today that was, um, was a pleading card. I'm forgetting what it was. It's like, um, I, uh, forgetting what I think of number 42, Raphael, if you want to look in your book really quick, I don't have mine on me, but it's like, you know, just kind of like youthful enthusiasm, blind enthusiasm. Oh, yeah, that's what yeah. it's called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like they're a blind enthusiasm. And I think I'll, the West has done that for a long time. This gets tricky because I want to kind of get into this presuppositions are like, you know, progress is everything and the state can take care of us and industry and science and, you know, like all this kind of stuff. We've been going down this trip for a while. Um, and it's kind of like the blind enthusiasm of Short Round and Dr. Jones as they, uh, Indiana, as they go into that room with the spikes. <laughs> and then all of a sudden they trigger it and the door shuts behind them and the chick's on the outside. And she has to conquer her fears with the bugs, right? She's like, my fingernails, oh my gosh. It's kind of gross. And they're like, <laughs> we are going to die. Death card, right? Like they are <laughs> fucked. Um, and they have to just kind of deal with it. But like that's the way forward. Like that, they had to go through that room to keep going forward, if that makes sense. Um, there was no way around it. The journey would have ended if they had stayed there. And I think in some way we're being called to greater and greater levels of story. But like it's going to have risk. It's going to have ups and downs and thrills and, you know, all sorts of stuff. And and we should embrace that. Um, 
especially learning Japanese right now, I mean, I'm not saying let's do everything the Japanese, ancient Japanese did, but they had a very different kind of view on things. They wanted to die. I'm not saying let's all die honorably and like kamikaze ourselves or whatever, but um, the point is uh, they were like so in the moment, largely like samurai and ninjas and stuff, they were so in the moment that they were just like, let's have fun in this adventure. And it might mean death. And if I die, let's, I'm not going to be a pussy about it. Like I signed up for this adventure, uh, just like Indiana Jones going to that place. I mean, he was freaking out, but it's like he wanted to go find those crystals. That's the sign. That's what he signed up for. He was real excited when he found the secret passage. Why is he not excited when the fucking ceilings got spikes and coming down? It's like you can't guarantee. It's all like I think one of the the uh, delusions maybe of the end of the P- Piscean Age, which is kind of where we are, is that everything is like. When I, okay, this gets really like kind of like semantic and linguistically complicated, but it's like everything is perfect in a unified field sense, but like we have a very mm, capitalistic, consumerist, you know, Western way of being like every, you know, there should be team ready made and it never gets above 75 and breezy. And, you know, it's like we have this like picture perfect reality and it's like a lot of the world is not like that and a lot of life isn't like that and we've deluded ourselves into buying into some of the fairy tale aspects of what life is i think and 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 there's the death of the innocence of that dream in a sense the end of the piscean age is like you know illusions being popped um you know um a dream deferred in a sense the raisins shriveling and it's like it's you know there's processes and cycles and cycles within cycles and all sorts of stuff so at the end of the day um what's got it what we've got to go through we've got to go through but at the same time it's like i i really am finding uh it's like i do appreciate what you're saying especially after watching um this documentary on social media called oh i forgot it was called the social dilemma on netflix pretty powerful pretty interesting not exactly what i agree with presuppositionally it's very kind of material reductionist humanist in a sense and not very spiritual um but it's kind of you know showing an aspect of this like there's so many levels of things and, and it's like we get to choose individually how we operate within a, a, a sea change. And, um, you know, just like in movies, like some, you know, do we want to kind of whimper and hide under the table until the bad guy gets us? Do we want to like face death? Well, and we, it doesn't mean we're going to die, but I think when we have courage, Terrence, we can always like life wants you to have courage. Like it's kind of challenging you to step up. And I think when we do that psychologically, you know, in all sorts of ways, like spiritually, etc., economically, even like not just worrying about like saving shekels and going on vacations as fun as that is, that's the pamphlet we were sold. And it doesn't mean vacations are bad or saving money is bad. It's just like, we've been living in a paradigm that's not sustainable that certain powers have kind of flaunted in front of us as normal. And I don't know how normal they are. And this gets like into resets a little with Raphael's whole interest in Tartaria um, where it's like, this is like a club of Rome situation and people are told certain things for a long time and they buy into that model and they, they you know, we are the empire in a sense and we're snapping out of that. And I think it's kind of like in Star Wars, The Force Awakens, when Flynn is like, I don't want to do this anymore. I think a lot of us are just like, oh, shit. Some people are doubling down, you know, some people <laughs> are um, going really hard, but that's their choice and they're entitled to the karma of that choice. But we just have to kind of hold our space. Um, and it's not, it's funny cause I think there's been waves for me, like in 2013, 14, 15, I was like way psychedelic doing LSD thinking the fucking 5d was going to crash and, and we we're going to talk to gods and aliens real quick. And all of a sudden it's like, we'll get there and maybe it's even happening now. And I don't know, but like now I'm kind of in a more somber place. It seems where it's just like, all right, you know, chop wood, carry water, like do your job. Like everybody has a role. 
fucking it's not fun to take the ring to Mordor, but someone's got to do it kind of thing. Yeah, one of the things that uh, has occurred to me lately um, this year is the idea that uh, we're, if we're living in a multiverse in which all possibilities are being played out in the world, I always have to allow for fantastic possibilities, not not only probabilities. However, most of us seem to, you know, have, are still accustomed to um, planning for probabilities, what seems to be most likely based upon what's already happened, uh, what we've, in you know, and uh, <laughs> so what we get ultimately, you know, uh, might turn out to be some combination of the two, you know, the, um, and one of the factors that I think is affecting how things play out is um, there are um, patterns which have been noticed and recorded long before we were born. And um, in fact, I think that uh, Philip K. Dick had an experience, a first-hand experience of that. You might have heard about when he had this mystical experience in 1974, getting hit by the pink beam and seeing himself as one of the early Christians living in the Roman Empire. Kind of a timeline glitch, Gnostic moment. It, it was one of those times when uh, you can see uh, time is simultaneous and uh, that, uh, you know, you've been here before. <laughs> so only it might have been uh, a, a different drama in a different place with a, different names, but the story seems to follow a very similar plot or a similar theme. And so for when Philip K. Dick went through that, one of the first things he said was the empire never ended and you could then see and i've this is again very recent uh idea popped into my head is that uh one of the reasons why biblical stories have so much resonance everywhere practically in the western world anyway is that uh they do echo it's like these uh, some the folks who were going through that those biblical times um were uh recording what they were witnessing and how they were reacting and it seems to resonate into our time and you could you know you could look i would imagine people have drawn inspiration you know as from opening the Bible and finding some relevant verses to whatever situation they happen to find themselves in. So you can see how, again, you could, but you could also apply multiple uh, templates, the Bible only being one of them. Um, you see what I mean? It's like uh, we are, and I'm, I'm becoming much more conscious. Oh, okay. Do I necessarily want to play in that particular using those that particular metaphor or that particular um let's say uh dramatic theme because there may be other stories that can also emerge where you don't have to let's say um you know live underground and uh be afraid of being 
martyred for your <laughs> whatever it is you believe in. You know, there's uh, other possibilities. Well, it seems like that can be a flavor. Like, that's why Yoda and yeah. Obi-Wan Kenobi went to Tatooine and Dagobah, right? Mm-hmm. They're like, fuck, mm-hmm. shit just went to shit, and there's been a coup, and they all got killed, yeah. or the sole survivors. So sometimes yeah. it is what it is. I mean, it's like the I Ching, right? Where it's like some yeah. car, you know, some hexagrams really aren't easy. <laughs> some hexagrams yeah. are very easy, and it's always flowing. You know, the Book of Changes, the Tao is always howling, and it's always, the river's always going. I, I think what gets and I can't tell if it's like folly or what, like honorable or how I would put this. It's like sometimes like whether it's Les Miserables, um, I don't know if you're familiar with that book or yeah, play. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So like those guys who are singing red and black, like all the youth who are like, let's revolt mm. against the system. Like they had a lot of idealism, very end of Pisces age stuff. There's a lot of people who are very idealistic right now and they end up getting like murdered and shit, not surviving even that night or whatever. Mm-hmm. spoiler everybody watch out <laughs> but uh you know it's like i don't want i want to make sure i'm doing what i need to do without being overreactionary but simultaneously i don't want to just sit there and be like still because i'm i'm you know deluding myself with the idea that i'm being peaceable when real change is being demanded of me and it's some balance between all that like you know and i'm kind of curious what you guys to think or what you guys think individually and maybe collectively like I, in a Jordan Peterson sense, this does feel like tending our own garden times. I mean, I'm not a big Peterson like follower, but what little I've heard of him, he's like, you know, clean your shit up, like work on you. And like when you're doing the as within, so work the as without work follows, um, you know, it's the parliament of Funkadelic or Funkadelic when they were called that. Cause I, you know, um, I forget. It's like move your ass or uh, move your mind and your ass will follow or something like that. I forget exactly what the words are, but I'm going to, hate myself well, for well, this. but like we gotta what kind of work do you think we should be doing and how do you look at uh, Raphael and uh, Wayne how do you guys look at like reactionary you know heroism like roles like how much do we attach to being in part you know part of the dynamic versus like uh, just watching it that's kind of up my alley at the moment because I'm um, one of my projects is I'm working on a screenplay uh, about uh, my father in World War II which was, again, another highly polarized time um, and violent conflict. And uh, the Japanese at that time were not such noble warriors. Maybe in their own mind they were, but they were committing some of the most horrible atrocities at that time and oppressing the hell out of people all over the Pacific. And... um, I think that people like my dad and a whole lot of other of uh, civilians and military people who would, um, were in the Philippines at that time had to have their own personal responses to, you know, what are we going to do now? There's, you know, no sign of uh, liberation imminent. Uh, there's no telling how long it'll take. And they all just sort of have to live uh, and uh, make the best of it as each of them um, views it as it looks to them at that moment. So I think it's an inherently interesting drama and uh, I'm learning a lot about my family and all about myself in the process. Um, You can, it is a useful uh, exercise, I think, to um, see, uh, look at historical turning points uh, when people were under a lot of pressure and 
imagine yourself there and ask yourself, what would I have done um, under those circumstances? And that's, uh, that's a, I think, a highly creative act to, because you are, in a sense, connecting with those people wherever they were a long time ago, far, far away. You're connecting with them. And in a sense, you can do a replay and then imagine, well, how could we have handled conflict better? What would have been less traumatic for everybody? What could have led, you know? And I think that one of the principles that's guiding me these days is acting from love rather than fear. That's, it's a very simple principle, but it's very easy to miss. If you're motivated yeah, I'll, I'll keep going. for something that you want to see more of in the world, then you will probably be tilting the, the timeline towards uh, more positive outcomes. Whether or not you get what you want, it's almost, or whether you get, even get recognized for your efforts, that's not even the point. It's more just, if you're orienting yourself that way, you're probably going to get better results for everyone than acting out of fear. Fears as, <laughs> and I think we've seen this again and again in uh, the great sci-fi epics, you know, uh, fear is the mind killer, right? That remake is coming out soon. The uh, yes, movie. Uh, yes, I heard. I'm stoked. It actually looks like it could be okay. And it's not yeah. surprising because in a sense, you know, I think these things are like reflections of where we're at. It's funny because while you were saying that, I was thinking to some degree, it's like, maybe this is obvious and I've just never thought about this. And Rafael, I'm kind of curious what your thoughts are. It's like every frequency is always available to us. So let's just say like, you know, you can you can be very stoic and willing to go the mile, extra mile like Frodo. He's like, I'll take the ring. This is my burden, whatever. Oh my gosh, I got to deal with this karma of my family. We did this. We'll fucking deal with it. Or he could be Boromir and be like, we got to use the ring to save our asses. And like, it's not illogical. He's got a point, right? I mean, and mm -hmm. he has taken over with the passion to try to like use the ring for his will, but he doesn't understand, you know, like, and he tries to kill Frodo or whatever, or not kill him, snag the ring or whatever. I think all these bandwidths exist as frequencies, and it's not so much a mental. I mean, in a sense, it's mental. I guess we get to to choose and will our way through the frequencies, like you turn the radio dial. But it's like it's almost like we're not even what station you're tuned into dictates what play you're going to experience. Mm. Uh, in a weird way, and I mean that's obvious as fuck. But like you're saying, fear or love. I mean, that's why I call this episode Without Love and the Dream It'll Never Come True. That's a Jerry Garcia line from a Grateful Dead song that we'll kind of use as an outro if it, if it works. Sometimes the Grateful Dead doesn't work. <laughs> We've tried it before and it didn't work. Um, called Slipknot slash Help on the Way. And um, that's a profound thought. I mean, it's like without love, it's it, it still happens, but it doesn't necessarily work in your favor like you're saying. This gets into the whole um, you can choose fear or love um, Bill Hicks thing, right? Uh, the comedian. And it's it's really easy to intellectualize that and think your ego can come to a place where it thinks it cracks what's going on. But then, like, there's a difference between, like, knowing the path and walking the path. I think we're getting called into – this is – like, we're always in earth school, but now it's like, you know, pop quiz. <laughs> it's like, oh, shit. Okay, so let's see what really happens. Like, you've been learning all this cool theology or occultism or magic or philosophies or whatever to anybody. You know, if you think life is about, like, you know – 
home shopping network and fucking going out on Friday nights and going, you know, having the cheers life or whatever, you might be very challenged right now. And if you, you know, stop. Anyway, I'm kind of curious, Raphael, what you think about what I just said in terms of the frequencies. That's obvious as fuck, but I think it just kind of sank in where I was like, oh, it's literally just about tuning into a frequency and then you're animated by that level of consciousness. Well, I'm glad you recognize that. Well, I mean, so, I mean shit, it only took 166 episodes. I mean, there's many, there's many layers, of course. And then again, it's not like, oh, because of that, only things that immediately appear positive will occur to you. But the point being, again, is what I like to call interpretational sovereignty. So you can always, you're always completely sovereign in your interpretation of your experience. And you have absolute free will choice, whether then you choose uh, to be motivated out of fear and ignorance or out of love and uh, wisdom. The scene in Saving Private Ryan where the um, one guy's getting stabbed in the heart and the other guy's on the other side of the staircase and it's like he could just overcome his personal fear and help him and maybe mm. they beat him up together. And it's like, mm. you know, and he has to live with that regret and whatever and that's the point. He had the free will choice but like he stayed in a certain bandwidth and it's weird because I think there's techniques, I guess, to overcome you can do jedi mind tricks on yourself to maybe overcome this or you and that's what i was kind of saying earlier like it seems like zeal and like you know patriotism and random things like that you know honor like these are kind of like tropes that we tend to like look to um i'm watching an anime right now called attack on titan which is pretty crazy and like there's a lot of times when people are like i don't want to do this oh my gosh i'm so afraid these basically giants are eating humans and like oh my gosh all my friends and family are dying mm. and they appeal to like certain like algorithms that kind of like jumpstart the, the psyche in the biology. Like sometimes we get deer in the headlight syndrome. That's what happened in the Saving Private Ryan situation. He's just like, uh, I don't know what to do. And then he kind of like didn't act and his inaction was the issue. It's like it would have been better if I mean, he at least tried. So I, I'm kind of curious what you guys think in terms of like, yeah, like patriotism, like honor, like different vibes like as motivators because there's always pitfalls to that too because I mean, I think that's, you know, like I was saying with Lamez Rob, those guys were very patriotic and enthusiastic and zealous, and it did, did not bode well and, for them to be Just that to way. complete and, the reference before oh, yeah. you respond, Wayne, briefly about yeah. Attack yeah. on Titan or Shingeki no Kyojin. So here it says, in terms of, this is just wiki, but maybe something to it, in terms of um, reception. <clears throat> Electronic Times magazine accused Attack, of, Attack on Titan of having a militaristic message deters Japanese Prime Minister Shinzo Abe's political leanings, while the series also resonated with Hong Kong youths who saw the invading titans as metaphor for mainland China. And then, a, yeah, various interpretations possible. Yeah, so I just thought it interesting that there appears to be some, some combination. Also, at a conference... Uh, someone compared the three walls in attack on Titan in context to the Great Wall of China, the Berlin Wall, and the Israeli West Bank Barrier, and concluded by claiming that walls of any kind do not create secure environments, but only a false sense of security that could crumble at any given moment. <laughs> Ooh. Well, there we go. It's uh, exterior metaphors, you know, um, things in the world. And then, uh, as symbols of, you know, <laughs> do you ever you do that more often than you used to? I certainly do. I feel as though I'm looking out into the world, and it's uh, it's like a mandala, you know, just like a, I think the Tibetans were trying to get that idea across. 
I'm actually kind of curious because of your Tibetan, um, I guess, Buddhist, right? Uh, leanings. Well, and, I was uh, a, learning. It was a background. It's a. It's part of my education, I suppose. What are the models and like tools that that would have equipped you with, given the current zeitgeist and kind of what we're talking about? How would they be approaching it? Because some yeah. people will be like, "Let's fight the good fight," and some people are like. We made a mandala, and the wind blows it down, and it is what it is. You know, like they're very kind of zen well, about it. yeah. One of the uh, when you had made a reference to Les Miserables and those idealistic uh, revolutionaries who, uh, you know, um, some of whom uh, th threw their lives away. I'm sorry to say. I mean, it happens. That's what happens in every war. Is like there's a whole bunch of guys who, uh, well, you know, they were there. They became casualties. That's <laughs> And and that sounds not so glorious, but that happens a lot. And also, and that's the disillusionment with war, where they idealized yeah, yeah. whatever, and it's like, no, war is pretty brutal. Death card, like you could yeah, lose it. Yeah. And one of the 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 downside, of course, is well, there's multiple downsides. Uh, one of the possible consequences is that uh, you going in thinking that you're the good guy with the white hat could very easily down the road become the other become the bad guy this has been you know and so you kind of recognize okay how did that happen well there's a lot of trauma that in, get that's involved in that which is why i think that uh future strategies of how do you you know what what kind of how do you create a better future well a big part of it has to do with healing ourselves and so, A, that we are not so easily manipulated and by fear, and two, also so that we don't turn around and add more trauma on top of what's already happened, you know, because that's, you know, when we're involved in a conflict, the uh, most, uh, virtually all of the past cycles or ripples where this has happened, things got violent. And uh, and ultimately, when things, you know, when people get the guns out or the swords or whatever weapons they're using, it ultimately comes down to uh, who gets to who kills more than the other, you know, and who who emerges victorious is usually the one who was the best at slaughtering people. <laughs> or had the most willpower to do something like the Nietzsche yeah, kind yeah. of like will to power. It's really... really and uh, naturally, what happens is that the the perpetrators of who the ones who are the better killers end up traumatizing themselves and everybody else, and that becomes the wound that can go on for generations. And uh, part of the part of the reason I'm writing my dad's story is because on the microcosm, the traumas that he went through definitely affected his family and uh, the larger world, it was as if, yes, you could say that on the physical level, you won the conflict, but actually um, it's just simultaneously planting the karmic seeds for future, future suffering. And this is one of those things where, hey, if we could possibly do it differently this time around, <laughs> Maybe we could learn how not to create more uh, more suffering, more negative karma that will be uh, a hindrance to 
the future generations because we're just links in a chain here you know each of us has only a limited um, span of time in this on this stage and uh, it would be nice to to actually advance things rather than simply say oh well we got to do it again and we won again and we'll do it again <laughs> you know the two or three generations from now you know and it's like hey can we possibly not do it differently so that we don't have to repeat it at least not do the some... tibetans believe in qualities of time like yugas i suspect i suspect that their uh the mythology um moves towards an end you know where in the sense that uh it, it, if one wants to take shambhala prophecies uh at face value i don't know if one ought to honestly because uh that doesn't you know just because uh these cool people have a myth doesn't mean that it's necessarily based on anything right so but shambhala is what you might call the uh represent could be the metaphor for our um our potential our divine potential realized in an actual society you know where it's not just some some hope but an actual reality so how do they go in in the tibetan viewpoint and rafa i'm kind of curious your viewpoint in general um how does one deal with the imbalance and the kind of fatalism you're kind of talking about where it's like oh my gosh i don't want to just keep doing this fucking game of thrones thing uh, uh -huh. can we rise above it how how are they holding that in juxtaposition to maybe like it's exactly where it needs to be and this is how it has to look well i would suggest that even just the high i mean it always has been there in a sense and again we can speculate about history but the high degree of awareness that this is non-preferred already is a good sign that we may actually choose a different path you know, the show must go on or, you know, is eternally frozen within the mon one moment of existence in all its variations anyhow. So, you know, as long as you're watching a movie means having an incarnation, you're going to present yourself with some, you know, manifestation. Um, because also this, let's say, view of uh, on Earth, let's say, destroying societies, ri rising and falling may even be very true for quite a few thousands of years. But who says that? We are not right on the verge, whereas we recognize, you know, unity through diversity and then are able, you know, to continue on like this or, you know, explore other dimensions, densities, potentially for thousands upon thousands upon who know how many years without needing to go through this, you know, kind of third density reset cycle. I just want to point out that, again, this is a very human centric view that you're proposing, and I would very much suggest that. Right now, obviously, we again are at the crossroads where, especially if you follow the idea of subjectivity, anyhow, everyone makes their own choice. And some may very well choose, oh, I want to take up another incarnation cycle. This was so much fun of repeating like empires rising and falling on the earth. And quite a few others are going to say, well, I can recognize that. It's not what I prefer. I choose a different path. And I'm pretty sure that uh, this will be the choice and therefore uh, the road for many. So in one sense, in terms of fatalism, well, it's always going to continue somehow. That's not a good or a bad thing in itself. That's just what it is. But certainly we have the capacity now to choose just like we always did. But now maybe with even more awareness, with more hindsight and foresight than ever before, potentially, 
So it may be sufficient, you know, to make a choice that's coming from a completely uh, new, in a sense, or higher level of consciousness. And even when you say the higher level of consciousness, I think the Shambhala thing is a frequency, and they were tapping into it, and it's not a matter of it being oh, yeah. true or it's not. Real for sure. Well, it's real yeah. for sure. If you vibrate on that frequency, that's what you're going to experience. But, but that's why it's not and, a and that time. was that was actually um, part of the Shambhala prophecy that I had heard from um, His Eminence Taisita Rinpoche many, many years ago. Uh, and I, at least some of us interpreted it as uh, when your vibration's high enough, then Shambhala becomes visible. And then you discover that the whole world is Shambhala. <laughs> and that's like, oh! You know, and uh, I think that was, uh, I think it's something that uh, may provide hints for um, the uh, understanding of the relationship between uh, temporal events and eternity. Maybe that's one way of putting it. Um, eternity might also be a, a term for looking at the, uh, apprehending the multiverse and everything you know, both seen and unseen all at once, not as a, you know, not as a beginning, middle, end type of thing, but something that's always been, always will be. It's, you know, it's uh, outside of time. And uh, the, uh, you know, sometimes when I look at, uh, when we're using that metaphor of the ripples, or the spirals of, uh, of events. Um, one of the things that I, uh, uh, an image that came to me recently was that uh, perhaps as when we, when oh, our versions of the cycles can become more, um, well, let's say, take the conflict to a higher level than the previous ones then we may be, as things become subtler or deeper, we may also become aware of the other ripples coming from other directions that from, you know, let's say from higher dimensions that were not apparent to us before. And that what will, could make a difference in our era when we talk about the eras that we live in, perhaps what's really going on is that we're becoming more aware of the intersections, the way that the the wave patterns meet, you know, one coming from a, a stone thrown in the water way over the, here, and then another on another level happening way over there, and the ripples are finally meeting. And that's the thing that could create the variety, the novelty, which I, <laughs> that's what I'm, that's it. Uh, sounds trippy, but that's kind of. Uh... Hi there. Hello. Yeah, yeah, we're here. Okay. Um, I'm okay. kind of curious <laughs> of what you guys think about the quality of time, though, with this, because what we're talking about, like Raphael tends to be like, it's always there. We have to choose. Are there are there aspects of our biology or our situatedness that prevent us from seeing clearly? I was just thinking that's either a loaded question or an obvious question. However, what I'd say is uh, let's do a music break 
and then uh, come back with that inquiry. Agreed? Agreed. Wayne hit mute and we're good. Okay, I'm going to get a drink of water. See you. Uh, Great. Here we are once again, Team Rabbit Hole Edition 166 with Wayne. Jim, you had a question. Well, that was an interesting song. Uh, very kind of moody death card stuffs. Um, and seductive, dare I say. Um, I'm kind of just curious what Tibetans, Rafa, what you think. I mean, it's easy to be like, like uh, you know, we're here, we got to make decisions, all that stuff. Have we had blinders on and now they're coming off? Like qualities of time. I mean, it's like trying to sword fight with two arms, arms behind your back, maybe, and it's not as it's it's going to get easier. Um, and also, like learning to trust the process, how that looks without maybe being um, indifferent or you know passive to a fault. I'm kind of curious about that. So, what you guys think about the quality of time in general, personally? Any other models that you use, um, like yugas or whatever? Because when we're talking about an apocalypse, it's like things are going to get weirder than they ever have before in a Christian sense. And then we'll see with eyes that we already had, but we had failed to use before or whatever it seems. Hmm. Raphael, you, did you want to go first? You can go first if you like. Well... Uh, I'm just curious. There's no definitive correct answer. I'm just kind of thinking out loud. I think that helps me at least. Well, the first idea that I get just because you always ask about be passive or be active or, you know, like make it happen according to your will or just not having to do anything because it just occurs. I think, uh, I'm not sure it was maybe Sam mentioned this recently. Like, even if you're deliberately not going to do anything, you're still going to breathe. So you're obviously participating. And uh, I guess it's just like, you know, there's a certain movie, maybe some aspect of the movie may in a sense be set. However, here we get into collective level realities and so on that could also be reprogrammed one, once one becomes conscious of them. However, in any case, even now you could say we have these and these situations. Well, how would you wish to see yourself? What role would you like to play in that situation? And uh, that can... You can make yourself believe that to be as passive or as active as you wish. Um, I'm not sure if there is a, a, a recommendation to each and every one, except from truly everyone being honest with themselves, uh, to check in with themselves, you know, what truly is the right action uh, for them. Yeah, I, it would seem ironic that, as you to put it another way, that... Uh... Even when you think you're not participating, you are because you're here. <laughs> and uh, you, So um, I think that, you know, even a, to, to use a rather overworked phrase, um, to follow your bliss might actually be one of the very best things. At least that's how it feels to me right now um, is uh, there are things that come naturally to us that the best parts of us and uh like for instance you know in my own case um, uh creativity um writing it it comes natural to me i've done it for a long time and um that may be the very best thing i can do for the world even though it doesn't have it doesn't look the same as let's say uh marching in a demonstration or uh which may or may not 
actually be you know uh any more valuable it's uh it is but uh i do think that uh um acting from love rather than fear and also um getting in touch with what is it that you're really best at and can if and the stuff that comes naturally to you might be the very thing that could be the best gift you have to give yeah and i so it's um could it really be so simple the image that i'm it getting could, could it could, yeah i know it sounds incredible to it sounds like a like i'm you know i know but uh, i know that a heck of a lot of us are already just caught up in the struggle to survive and um perhaps what i mean is that there's something even when we're caught up in survival mode there is probably something that makes that worthwhile either uh what you imagine you will be doing in the future when conditions improve or something you can do regardless you know there's people i mean that for instance being creative uh, unless you have to get some raw materials or something can uh can be done anytime actually it could even be uh part of just your own unconscious process like um i have a these days i have a rather peculiar relationship with my unconscious because it's uh whether it has practical application or not it <laughs> i do get in i do get my sleep interrupted uh might have some interesting dreams or um flood of ideas in the middle of the night which can be inconvenient but i accept it <laughs> and again you know that actually you know when we take a look at well what ultimately do we have at the you know at the end of our lives um we have what we learned hopefully we take that with us and also how we affected others with the effects that could live on after us and i think about uh um i'm not too concerned about how i'm remembered or how many people remember me i am but i'd like to be able to say that in all of my interactions that i um it was better that that happened than you know than how i could have turned out differently i mean it's uh um that is to say uh one of the th ways that we actually contribute is uh affecting people in ways that will live on you know assuming that they outlive us or that they go on to affect others similarly so, and it's very open ended you know it allows for all kinds of possibilities uh and that's that's the way i like it actually <laughs> well it's funny because the thing that comes to mind and i'm not saying it wrong at all because i think what i'm starting to struggle with is like everybody's trying to diagnose each other's problems and prescribe different things and everybody's mm. men menus a little different so even when we're saying like oh i want to and i'm not saying you're bad or wrong or whatever but the presupposition that is like oh i'm gonna do things that live on after me um i'm kind of at a point where i was like i don't actually give a fuck uh and i'm not saying this is good for you or not i'm just like i'm having this idea that it's like maybe there's a frequency where eternal things can get tapped into and if i can just get my hand in there um then things from that 
state come into where I am, and that's what makes them more important stuff. I think when the, when we're talking about like wizards and tr- like will and trying to force things and you know all that kind of potential ego shade, I think that mm-hmm. kind of comes in if you distort it with like you know ideas of like what will others think of me in a in another time. I mean, you just kind of. I'm sure there's value to that. Aren't we glad, like, you know, the Alexander Hamilton cast and crew does a good job of I mean, uh, emulating. another interesting uh, perspective about that uh, that Bashar shares, and I guess many people also intuitively talk about, is that when you die, whatever, you know, let's just say when you transition, um, you actually relive your entire life. And one of the perspectives also is that after your life, you have something called a life review, which to me kind of makes sense, even just if you then go back, in a sense, to your higher home base frequency, where time and space are not just much more malleable, but you can see at a glance, let's say, much more time and space than you ever could while you incarnated. So it kind of makes sense that at that moment that you're transitioning, you have the complete picture of all your interactions within that particular life that you've led. And even here, I could say, at least for me, to the best that it's possible, I would also like this review process, you know, to be as fun as enjoyable. And in a sense, I mean, this is even a judgment again, you know, saying that you want it to be positive, but just in terms of motivation. So it doesn't necessarily even have to do with, uh, oh, I want this and that effect in this and that timeline, but even just. You know, when I walk out and I get the review, it's not going to be all, you know, blood and gore or something. There's probably a lot of moments in our lives that are holy and perfect and awesome, and we don't think about them because they're not maybe loud. And then there's moments that we make a big fuss about, and they were kind of just transition moments. Like, I, as, I mean, I'm lucky. I'm in the middle of Colorado in the middle of nowhere, so I'm not, I mean, sometimes we drive through town and see people, you know, saying on all the corners of the street saying yay trump or something like that but generally speaking uh-huh. i'm not interacting with people i'm not interacting with riots i'm not acting interacting with any of the black lives matter stuff even though that is happening elsewhere i think your situation in san francisco is probably a lot different so i imagine how you're holding your space is maybe yeah, different yeah, yeah. the funny thing is uh these days particularly well we've actually people everywhere every era have only had uh, very uh, roundabout uh, relationship with uh, the reality of their country or society. We've only, we only ever hear about things. Very rarely do we experience um, the actual variety of the world firsthand. Um, Now, if one, Perhaps were even if you felt well informed, um, you're still getting things filtered or magnified or diminished, and and so nowadays it's hard to even say for sure what kind of country do I actually live in. <laughs> I mean, that's because there's people painting different portraits of it, and some of them are radically different and. Now I just go, well, I can't really take authorities all that seriously about, you know, what's going on. Uh, and uh, what am I getting at? This, uh, it has to do with, well, uh, 
knowing that you don't really know what's you know the the whole exterior world um what is the state of mind of all these millions of americans for instance what are they really going through how do they really feel we're only getting everything like second and third hand so and if we um take the position that every that all consciousness is one and at any given moment we don't really know what's good what someone is actually capable of we only know their probabilities or their circumstances at best and uh but um people can surprise you it's one of those you know it's part of that whole um the the matrix reality you know that um there are the appearances of limitations but the um that's simply how things appear. They're made to appear that way. Um, yeah, that matrix does come in handy once in a while, doesn't it? Oh, we totally. Yeah, we just had a matrix episode <laughs> the other day uh, talking about the Animatrix and the three films. Um, and now there's a fourth film coming out, I guess, soon. Oh, I had not, yeah, no, yeah. the details. They were doing some filming around here, in fact. I'm pretty sure they... They've had a, a crew out here in San Francisco. So, yeah, it's interesting. I think that you bring up a good point because one of the, I guess, uh, the false idols of our age or something is like certainty, like truth in a sense. Like there's so many realities going on at once that that is the only real true reality. There's like, you know, just like on a stage play or something, it's like everyone's in the scene but like everyone's perspective is different obviously and everyone's yeah, fun yeah. functions are different well the, the um there is a if one wants to engage in tribal warfare it really requires that people um adopt you know go down the same reality tunnel together and that's a that can probably you know, lead to some remarkable growth experiences. I wouldn't doubt that. But, you know, for those of us who've already been there, done that, it's kind of like, okay, I, I see, you know, some folks have to go through this. And, uh, I mean, I see this right now with the, uh, the upcoming election, if there is an election. You know, really, I mean, a plot twist, Trump has COVID. Yeah, you could, you could say that, you know, we're being treated to the to the reality TV version of America. It's uh, it, people used to think there was really um, some kind of an actual process going on that required us, but we're really required it, to just tune in. <laughs> and now it's really well like, said. That's tune our, in, our, indeed. You know, I mean, you know, we do get to play with the steering wheel, but it's like the child's steering wheel. It's not actually connected to the that it doesn't have nothing, nothing to do with turning the car. Uh, somebody else has got that wheel. And so, uh, but we are kind of, in a sense, being encouraged to co-create realities in, uh, in ways that may not really have anything to do with our, our well-being. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's like, uh, we're all, you know, it's almost like we're, we're living upon a Death Star in construction, and they've divided up the uh, the work crew into two different teams, 
and they're supposed to be like in competition for each other in control of the Death Star. Well, isn't that great? You know, I mean, that's so, you know, to mix my uh, sci fi metaphors here, you know, we're all in the Matrix and we're all, you know, got some role um, on the Death Star, at least. Uh, but there are very few, maybe there are a few slackers out there who aren't doing their part. You know, so. Well, the idea that comes to mind when you say that is the movie Titanic, where there's lots, there's classes. So on the bottom, you know, deck or what, you know, on the on the bottom of the boat, there's like the Irish people yeah, getting all yeah. drunk and shit. And mm-hmm. obviously, when they hit the iceberg, um, which I think I just saw something in an article saying that's maybe not even what happened. I'm not sure. I didn't read the article because I'm just overloaded with information at this point. But um, the idea is there's a guy who's like, I will shut this door, right? Like, I forget, uh-huh. like one guy drowns or he's like, you know, shuts the door to prevent it from like flooding further. It doesn't really help ultimately. But like his personal story, that was not fun, but he made a sacrifice. And then there's mm. people like that rich dude who are like, I'm going to go sneak on and be with the women and children because I'm rich and I'm a bitch or, you know, whatever. It's like, <laughs> like there's the, he's playing that role. And it's weird because. I, I think that's kind of how it feels. I think there's a lot of people who are getting, and it's funny because we're, we're not really talking about, but it's like real is like projections are coming up a lot. A lot of wounds, a lot of trauma are coming up and then people are finding other people to be the basically scapegoat of all any form. You know, I don't know ultimately who, if there's like evil running around and then there's like really good guys, it's like both sides are capable of both things. So, like, for example, I mean, mm-hmm. let's say this election goes through. If Trump is president again, there's going to be a lot of rioting. If Biden wins, I mm-hmm. can't imagine the Trumpers are happy about that. But, like, are they going to be? Oh, you know, boy. It's like, boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. So, I have, that's I have projection gamed that stuff. one out, definitely. Yeah. Well, you see, that's where um, we're, we could be to um, reiterate that. Uh, well, what if we had a real civil war in the sense that we just, like, have a civil uh like a an irreconcilable differences situation and we're just like look certain cities are going to be more liberal if you're down with that go over here um yeah you know yeah, it seems yeah. like that's reasonable at this point but i'm not sure because this is a big experiment abraham lincoln's whole thing was like we can't let the union dissolve and it's like sometimes you know mom and dad staying together isn't the healthiest thing even if, yeah you know. <laughs> yeah well you got to figure that uh this is where you know in the multiverse if there are so many different scenarios that can, um, you know, and each one can bifurcate into many more scenarios. And uh, it's, you know, one of the things I recognize when I'm looking at, let's say the story about my dad and escaping from, you know, before the Baton death March and uh, doing the most improbable things. And always, I guess the, uh, the main virtue was not that he had this perfect plan, but that he was flexible and um, able to take things as they come and then also um, make connections with people. Because it turned out that uh, every step of the way, his further progress required these miraculous encounters with people who would help him out and it's uh looking back on it all you go wow people had you know could have had good reason to be afraid to help but in this situation they weren't and uh it affected everybody that 
And now uh, you know this becomes part of the story that I'm now telling. And uh, who knows? It's like this thing this could be rippling out at a time when it's really needed, because we certainly, if one wants to play the the game of duality, then um, in a situation where one side's dominant, the other side might actually have to, you know, learn how to live underground, uh, working with whatever whatever's happening and then now this is part of the whole world war ii story and this is something that is echoed what happened in the philippines is kind of echoed in france when they were under nazi occupation and france had its own underground you know and uh people were uh, participating uh in whatever way that they felt they could and uh you know hopefully live to tell the tale and this is, uh, you know, I'm not saying that we're entering that kind of a period, uh, you know, that's, but it is certainly one of the possibilities in terms of, you know, what's the next stage of polarization and then how do we deal with that? Um, now, what could be relevant is in the story that I'm, uh, which could turn into a trilogy, actually, um, is uh that my dad went undercover for two years and uh actually uh ran a, a nightclub did i i must have mentioned this right in, in briefly Oct but feel free to keep yeah i don't yeah, yeah. keep your now, truth it, it turns out according now uh, since that time uh i've managed to reunite or actually connect with long lost relatives that i never even knew about before now this is kind of miraculous in itself but um my one of my nephews um who now lives in finland uh is uh fairly well informed about the history about the you know dad's story and the cabaret and all of this and it turns out that um based upon what you know if one were looking at the situation from the outside um if my dad was running a a, a cabaret that um included the japanese officers or uh some rich filipinos who might have been part of the underworld <laughs> you know i mean it's like doing it and it's kind of like this casablanca situation and i think wow this is a very close to being a collaborator. And so there would be a need to do something to offset that. You know, so he was playing this rather, um, he was living in this gray zone for two years uh, where he was actually, he was quite close to the enemy, so to speak. And uh, yet, you know, the things he was learning was actually helping the other side, meaning that, you know, he was on the side of the resistance and cheek by jowl with the enemy. And it was really kind of remarkable that this could actually go on. Um, and uh, we might find ourselves in a situation where, you know, we might be in the same room with folks whose point of views are so radically unlike our, our own that uh and then how you know that we we in a lot of people in this country could find themselves in that situation and can they 
learn how to to coexist and understand and then you know who knows there might be some some humanizing moments that we might miss if we are only interested in arguing and being right you know what i mean the raven a cod behind you i think odin approves it's funny i'm <laughs> kind of wondering about your opinion on this because on the one hand it's like there's always going to be human stories um it's a matter of preference like I, there's certain and this gets into like the self-delusion thing i don't want to think that there's a timeline where we have to even go through this stuff again i'd like to think that people can grow up a little well, i would suggest we are right mm. now so the choice is upon us right now how we deal with you know polarization differences in opinion and uh, you know what choice we make individually and then also <clears throat> most certainly whether or not we can allow others to live differently and also where we draw the line in terms of when does certain behavior truly start to harm others you know and uh, how much do you really need to pres prescribe in terms of this is the conformity that you are held accountable to and to what degree could we not become much more relaxed about that <clears throat> and i mean i like the idea that you pointed out about uh well why not just you know have them separate but honestly i'll just bring this up by dr J dave janda he has been uh, as a medical advisor for the reagan administration and uh, he's telling some interesting stories and one of the things he said is that uh when uh, Reagan brought him in and he had like the first meeting with the staff and the whatever White House employees or whatever, then they said, look, we're not going to partition things now into a left or right thing, but the real axis is up or down, up meaning freedom and down meaning suppression. And I like this perspective. And I think here there is a real choice to make and it's not so much left or right, but it's really about uh yeah freedom or suppression of also individual life choices again as long as they're not hurting another well it gets tricky i know in america i mean especially when i'm i'm kind of indifferent but uh my brother and his girlfriend are not for trump and very anti-trump so when we're driving by people you know saying honk for trump and stuff they're like this is ridiculous this is gross they're offended right they take yeah, offense but what, to it. what would be the next the next level would be uh because i'm experiencing this also through demonstrations uh, and i'm following this quite closely also in terms of you know austria or germany and then you have groups especially with these measures let's say and again where i kind of draw the line is you look at different demonstrations or manifestations or opinions number one is do they become violent in a completely non-directed and destructive way also for this there may be a place and time but you know that's not a general modus operandi that would help anyone and then the real question is, to what degree are individuals uh, of any apparent, you know, party or side or opinion actually willing to engage in open and honest conversation? That's all what it's about. And what I just see is that some, let's just say individuals, uh, refuse that. And then, of course, it's getting really difficult if you're, because instead of, they can all be discussed and so on. But what would be really cool is if just walk up to them and say like, oh, I see you're honking for this or that guy or you're clapping for Biden or whatever it is for Harris or Black Lives Matter or something. Um, can you please explain to me why? As I would really like to understand you better. And if everyone were asking that to That's the, a very Libra approach. Most people don't do that. 
<laughs> yeah, well, maybe then, you know, in terms of bringing balance to the force, this is maybe what's, uh, what may be asked for. You know, everyone can, you know, play this as they yeah. like, but communication usually, even if it may not resolve the core issue immediately, at least again, you would stop to dehumanize well, someone else, you know, and recognize they have their own motives, they have their own traumatizations, beliefs, and so on. And that's a whole, wholly different thing than just looking at them from afar and be like, oh, I'm disgusted of you or you or you. Although I can, in a sense, of course, understand where they're coming from. Well, it's like a lower evolved situation. And it's not like a judgment, but it's like there's like projection reaction kind of petulance versus like trying to be considerate. And I think in a weird way, uh, like it gets the, into this in Fight Club where it's like we haven't had a great war. Like your uh, dad was going through Wayne. I mean, yes, we've had some like wars for oil and shit, but most citizens have sat around kind of watching it through the TV and stuff, not participating hands on. So I think a right. lot of people just have a lot of pent up energy. They think this is like do or die. And if they don't take a stand, like what you're talking about, like falling into fascism was like, I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm being naive. I don't think we're going to go that way, but at the same time, it, it's tricky. I mean, this is the it, well, this is where the spin gets tricky because I have certain friends who are like, it's all going to work out. The swamp's being drained. And then I have certain friends, you know, like my brother or whatever, who are like, this is probably as bad as it's ever been in American history. And if we don't do something, we'll be culpable. There's a, there's a thing about uh, tribalism that is very applicable. You know, um, I've said for some time that uh, the truth is tribal. Meaning that, you know, the thing that keeps us uh, divided, you know, is that we have these different reality tunnels and people get very invested in them. And seduced and addicted. Yeah, well, it certainly produces some kind of um, some kind of high. Um, Certainly the feeling of belonging to something bigger than oneself. That's a. That's probably a, a large component of it, because uh, it's very hard to have any really strong points of view that are just your own, and you haven't, you know, there's nobody that you can have solidarity with. You know, there's, I mean, there's people who could still act effectively in that position, but they may not be very happy about it, and feeling that you know you've got a tribe. And they're all we're all on the same page, are all charging down the same reality tunnel. That can be, you know, it's one of those uh, feelings I think that we want to have is maybe where one of the drives that we have. It might not be an entirely a bad thing, having a, a drive to feel like you're part of something bigger. And you can conceive of that as far as you want in terms of, you know, rather than just a certain ethnic group that lives on some little island, you could think of it bigger and bigger. And the conflicts that we've seen throughout history, uh, you know, ever since the beginning, I suppose, is, uh, tribe versus tribe. And then the next stage is uh, somebody thinks, hey, maybe we could unite all of these tribes under one ruler. And then, you know, it goes from there. And then we have nation states eventually. And then uh, who knows what sort of uh, um, corporate oligarchic uh, global 
community we could have. I mean, there are probably which then splinters into tribes and the cycle continues. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it seems I like know, a part of the dynamic of the story we've been telling ourselves for a long time. And it's what's weird. Mm -hmm. I think the solution is expanding the story, to, like what Rafael is saying. It's like if we stop looking at people as maybe antithetical to our position, and just like this is the whole point of like maybe Project Bluebeam and stuff like that, where it's just like, hey, we need, like, you know, an independent state. It's like, there needs to be an existential crisis bigger than your tribalism to cause you to, like, shake out of that hypnosis. Uh-huh. Uh -huh. Yeah, well, certainly, um, I don't know, if, without indulging very much uh, conspiracy theory, I do get the feeling that maybe what has been going on since the pandemic started is a kind of controlled demolition and uh, that is intended to create, you know, create the conditions for another kind of society. I mean, I don't know. You, you got the same feeling. It's not too far-fetched, especially if you can imagine what the deep state has been up to. There is such a thing, after all. Um, and uh, I just go, okay, well, there may be something that, where we things can be we can be tribal for a while and then there'll be something else that comes along that transcends that whatever that is uh and we you know it may very well be that that how that plays out is not necessarily under anyone's control people who appear to be in control might have started the ball rolling but they don't necessarily control where ultimately ends up and this might be actually be right now the period we're in could be a tremendous opportunity in terms of uh you know not necessarily getting rich or famous but being able to uh uh help uh guide or encourage uh, humanity towards whatever that next level is that is not simply a, a a consolidation of a power that results in tyranny for the many and you know luxury and uh for the few i mean there's you know are you familiar by any chance with a graphic novel called the invisibles uh that's funny i've been reading that a few weeks ago and i got to the part where they were doing the castle of sodom uh, uh or what the Assad or you know this uh sadism and I was just like, this is dark and heavy. <laughs> like, I have it on my computer. I've been reading it. But, like, it's kind of what instilled the Matrix. It's time-traveling. There's fucking demons from the yeah, Aztecs yeah. covering themselves in flesh and just weird stuff. It is. And I th I think there's something um, that there is some some value to that, uh, that cornucopia of weirdness. Uh, the... Um, Again, if, you know, looking past. I'll uh, keep reading it just for you, Wayne. Yeah, I, I, oh, I had well, to pause. I was like, yeah, I don't know I if understand. I need this in my imagination, but I'll. I'll yeah, do it. well, you know, um, it depends upon timing. Sometimes is an important thing too, you know. And there's things that I wasn't ready to read when I first heard about them, and then later turned out, oh, well, there, you know, later on, it was the right time. Um, the, uh, you know, I mean, we could. Uh, compare our situation to Snowpiercer if you want another dark. That's film. a great film. Uh, I think it it's is. a TV show, but I haven't seen the show. I've just seen the film. <laughs> well, this the film, the one that with uh, the, the feature length one with uh, 
the, the Korean director. That was just uh, an amazing. That's a phenomenal film. It's, a, it's, uh, it's amazing violent. because, yes, it is. It is. Just pretty so people know, don't watch it? it with kid, little kids. It's like there's yeah, some yeah. dark scenes where they'll power, you know, there's some, it, basically the story is like a microcosmic, it's a train, right? I've yeah. actually heard surprisingly that this is, it's a unintentional, maybe a wink, wink sequel to Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Where like this is Charlie is like uh, um, the oh, guy up yes. in the front because it's like oh I've got well, I don't know I could send you a link to some theory about that it's like a fan theory and I'm like eh, I could see it being true but it doesn't have to be or anything um, so the idea though is that like basically tr- the society like there's a huge global catastrophe I think we try to like alter the atmosphere or something and it doesn't go right, right. you know unintended consequences and all of a sudden everyone has to get on a fucking train and whoever's on there is like whoever's left on earth the train goes around the world forever and there's like class it's like animal farm on a train basically <laughs> yeah yeah really definitely the class system laid out horizontally I mean that was uh, that's the beauty of it um, is that you know you can see the the layer cake and how differently things look to people depending upon which layer they're in and of course then that will be uh a tendency to under pressure to side with one's own class you know and that's another one of those divisions that is uh probably going to get magnified in under you know under the way things appear to be playing out and you know, that's another one of those things that, um, you know, uh, Americans in particular seem to have had a blind spot about or just not wanting to go there, you know, talking about all the big questions, avoiding, you know, political orientation and religion and and class and race. All of this stuff, it's all coming to a head. Imagine all the possible divisions that, you know, people have been using to... Uh, either get a leg up or you know press somebody else and for their own gain it's all coming you know all of this stuff comes out now one way that's about how much do we identify with it we shouldn't cling to those identities too much because i think those are the tools through which a lot of the people who have maybe nefarious meet like desires or whatever have had controlled opposition they'd like look if we make the dogs fight each other for the bone they're not going to attack me as i burgle or whatever yeah. it's like that it's like hey i'll distract you with a war on oil now some of you guys are raving over like fuck the system and some of you guys say fuck you guys i love red white and blue and all this stuff and all of a sudden it's just like okay well now they're not really paying attention to other things and i i rafael i'm kind of curious because you hear us talking and it's a little more dystopian but it's like what do you think i mean the whole point of the death card was like thy will be done it's going where it's going <laughs> so it's like we're kind of along for the ride and we can kind of scooch in our chairs on the roller coaster or throw our hands up and holler or close our <laughs> eyes and freak but we're on the fucking ride so it's like um i'm kind of curious what rafael how he would approach this situation well, it's in terms often of, very misunderstood yeah. but um i think it remains that while it's not in a forceful sense it is my uh, estimate that we do have a lot more control than we allow ourselves to believe. And that's kind of what we discussed with uh, Stephen Clare. Also, this whole idea about predictive programming and so on and so forth. There may be, you know, astrological rhythms and all these kind of things, but it's not really as if anything within this plane can really work without consent. 
and without you fueling an energy because even if they say oh someone wants a civil war i'm sure there's some who want civil war but if you're not going to participate it's not going to be your reality and uh, i think this also i mean number one it's all heavily fractalized so you know heaven and hell can be even physically close by but i think ultimately everyone really decides for themselves what parallel reality earth version they enter into one particular idea i find interesting and that of course now polarization in a sense increases contrast increases so everyone can make a clear choice for themselves as to how they themselves wish to polarize and how they now wish to respond but that then gradually actually it's becoming more and more as if looking at other realities through a glass uh, window or through a one-sided mirror or something like that that uh, you can still see it but it's actually affecting you less and less and uh, that's another thing i can observe uh, certainly i was curious Raphael, uh, since you're more familiar with bashar uh, did he have much to say about the the structure of the multiverse uh, as far as are there you know infinite number of timelines all existing simultaneously yes. i mean i you can you can elaborate on it better than I can, I'm sure. Yes, so simply put, yes, uh, the analogy he likes to use is the so-called film strip analogy. And if you would lay out all the film strip before yourself of all potential realities, you would just have an infinite amount of frames that all laid out before you. However, then upon choosing a particular incarnation, you choose how you tie and string those frames together. So in his view as well, all potential realities exist all at once actually in the very same moment that is now and again it is only a matter of frequency and what reality you tune in and then how i would assume you construct your personality in a sense in terms of what you actually believe uh, is possible and how great of a change you believe can occur within the short moment which again has a lot to do with death and being able to let go um, but as we are also more and more approaching these kind of thresholds, what I truly do expect, also with all this polarization, is the unexpected, but in a very positive and uh, with very favorable effect. That's my own expectation. Well, that sounds um, fairly similar to how I was looking at it, the multiverse as well. Um, in the sense that each of us is like a film editor and we can cut and splice the frames together any way we want uh, and with a, a sense of continuity if we're trying to tell a story you know exactly usually, you're not going to usually have things that are so radically different one cut to the other that people could would say hey what the hell that doesn't make sense you don't go from exactly. here you know at the, at the same so, time so this this can be interesting also in terms of you know transformation of society at large or understanding that the difficulty individuals may have with change however ultimately it could theoretically be all apparently completely disjointed i would just like to point out that this can be a great advantage so the x factor or reality distortion or as bashar says the breaking of continuity can be something very very positive because this also means that any imagined even negative momentum or increase in polarization or whatever 
can actually be completely turned around or just teleported somewhere completely else on the map within one moment if we are chill with that basically because reality creation in terms of how the higher self delivers it just like you said will always come in the format of continuity or believability however if we uh, seize let's say with our addiction to a particularly too uh, tight or stressful idea of continuity then it may also you know with much grace and ease in a sense uh, completely ascend to a new level of consciousness uh, unity diversity and all of that i just want to point out that is very much possible and has very much to do with one individual's belief system yeah well that certainly um livens things up <laughs> in terms of uh well we are, if we are each one of us is participating in that process and um you know it could make give you maybe a slight sense of nervousness because if you feel like gosh it's i'm responsible <laughs> you know it's like <laughs> but um uh, also it could be very liberating you know and uh well it's like man of the high castle or even in the invisibles where like they're going through different time frames to affect the past to cause new futures or whatever we have to look uh-huh. ourselves as kind of agents that can you know, I mean, that's the word part of the Man of the High Castle. Uh, I think that's what it's called. Maybe it's the Man of the High Tower. I'm forgetting now. But um, the Philip K. Dick book turned series or whatever, where mm-hmm. they have all those film strips. They're like, look, you don't want to necessarily look at every film strip because there's universes where you're a Nazi. There's universes where you're an all-American dad. There's a universe, you know, where mm. you die real quick. There's a universe where you, you're there till the end, whatever. And we just have to kind of resonate with what we prefer and and trust the process i think that's something we're not talking about much here is like our monkey minds are flitting about and saying how does this work and it's like it's working and even though our preferences might have to get redialed and we have to hold on loosely to our preferences in a sense um like what you know or hold on loosely to our expectations but always go with your preferences i guess maybe is the way to put it so it's like what do you want to have happen do those things and if you find obstacles, like creatively work around them. And if you find, you know, no, you know, like life finds a way <laughs> to quote Jurassic Park. It's like, it just does. And even if we all nuked ourselves and shit, like there'd still be people on Papua New Guinea or something being fine. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, or what? <laughs> like, it seems like it will be, this will pan out, but it's just, we're telling ourselves so many disempowering narratives and giving our storylines to governments and religions and various things that we just feel like we're watching it and don't have any control but it's like all we can do is what we have in front of us yeah the interesting thing is that you know on the um, material level in terms of uh, people on mass uh, creating uh, sudden changes like revolutions uh, it's always been up to a small minority uh, and everyone, you know, the vast majority kind of like being spectators to it. And uh, now I don't know if that ratio, you know, let's say the most motivated 20% making things happen, the other 80% watching. I don't know if that holds true or if, or if actually, um, actually the participation is simply on a non-visible level 
and uh, or you know it, it and as far as um, the numbers, you know, if people are thinking, oh, it's what the future holds has to do with what the majority of people are willing to have happen. I don't know if it is it is it kind of like a mat is it a numbers game or is it actually that there are people who are ahead of the wave and guiding things along because they're able to see it you know or understand it more deeply and that that those you know key individuals then create these larger ripples of their own which then becomes what you know the uh, it, it produces the effect of the the, the most motivated 20% actually uh making the history you know um i'm talking about like 10% on each side of the, the conflict <laughs> that's that's how small we're talking about yeah it makes perfect sense but i mean yeah. even here history is muddy but with the supposed civil war don't they also mm -hmm. say that there were maybe three percent or something of potential fighting men actually participating? And I think it's a general understanding that it was always only a small group individu of individuals that in a sense affected a change up to this point historically. However, I would assume this is because generally, you know, consciousness is rather kept low and in a passive state. But if we are now at a point where more and more individuals are waking up and realizing they can make a choice, then also there may not be, especially in a negative sense, so much power truly yielded anymore to, you know, a small overly motivated faction that may have questionable motives. If everyone, you know, really is in contact with their own uh, conscience and consciousness, then, then truly, you know, the playing field in a sense can be leveled. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the things that, just struck me when I was reminded of this, the previous conflicts, uh, let's say the revolutions, for instance. And if you were to compare that with um, the situation here in the U.S., where there seems to be a lot of uh, strife in uh, certain cities, and at least there is this image projected that there is some, you know, growing anarchy in certain parts of the U.S., and I think to myself, actually, that is probably the actual number of players, of active physical players in that drama. They're probably very, very few. They could be numbered. Right. In. Because and, then you just need to add yeah. a camera and you can make it look it, like a great show. <laughs> right, right. Well, it may very well be that that the nature of tribal conflict has been, in a sense, like a, a mass entertainment uh which can be played out by relatively few people who you know are willing to be the stunt stunt persons you know <laughs> to, and and uh that may mean that uh the 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 the, the other the the vast majority of the Folks who do not appear to be active players might actually be uh, like this unseen part of the wave that carries, you know, that is to say, it's the, there's the visible part, there's the crest of it, everybody can see that, but there's this larger uh, welling that's going on below the surface, 
And that's the part that might actually, where we actually have an influence. And um, we can't even talk about in terms of numbers. Maybe there's a, it isn't, it isn't about who has the majority. Um, because actually, in a strange way, you know, the uh, one of the peculiar things that makes history go is the question of um, how, who's in charge, how do we make things happen? You know, if we wanted to reduce it to the most basic level, you know, uh, you know and they could start out with uh, the chief who becomes, a, you know, maybe the warlord, who becomes maybe the king later, and then they switch over to another track where uh, people decide things collectively. And that's been, and then they might refine that system further into, you know, electing representatives. And that these two, these currents have been going on side by side in various forms all over the world, all, you know, for millennia, basically. And uh, with the authoritarian structures tending to uh, last longer, and uh, also to be fairly widespread. I mean, the, the notion, you know, it's only very recently, historically, that uh, democratic societies have been in the ascendant, uh, and who knows for how much longer. Um, what am I, well, I'm not sure exactly. I guess maybe I would say, what if we just imagined that death wasn't even part of the situation? Like the fear of death is causing people to, you know, that's when people capitulate their rights or they say, well, I have to have food and the government will give it and I'll do whatever. And I guess I'll go kill those people or, you know, all this crazy shit. Like oh, people yes. just need to be like, hey, this is a ride. Well, and I know yeah, it's one thing yeah. to say that, but it's like, this is the pop quiz. It's like, how are you going to react? Are you going to clutch on and hold on and do rude the things? Or are you going to like... Be one with the force. I am one with the force. The force is one with me. I'm one with you know. It's like it's all us. And I think that's kind of the testing. We're at a proving ground, and we don't have to react. When we're talking about the American Civil War, I mean, I think of Gone with the Wind, where it's like you know they're like, oh my gosh, Fort Sumter, it's gone down. Uh -huh. Oh my gosh, and they like freak out, uh -huh. and then their excitement causes other people to get excited, and then like it turns into something it wasn't going to be before if they had just not mm. been afraid or, or or easily swayed or whatever. It gets into the astrology a little too, but anyway. Um, oh yeah, let's yeah. get into that astrology while we still can. Are we got to wrap it up, or I don't know. Yeah, we have another guest in a, a couple minutes. I mean, okay. I'm not able to speak too much on this, but bottom line, this year, like, the biggest point, and this is like, this is astrology has been talking about this for a while, and this is kind of the the you know dropping, you know, the fat kid jumping in the pool making a cannonball. This is what happened in January was a Pluto, which is death, death card, and Saturn, which is karma and time, and in order and jupiter which is makes everything bigger it's like it expands like it's steroids just think of it that way like you know um or conjuncting capricorn so it's like death and karma in institutions in the world basically so it's like we're going through exactly what we should be going through this is a time when you know you know, monarchies that are based off of blood oaths and weird fucking rituals and stupid shit that's going away and like really flawed systems that have, you know, the sheriff of Nottingham doing weird shit for the king and all this stuff. It's like, that's not going to work anymore. Yeah, and I think it's one of those. going to take a second. It's one of those weird moments where 
uh, we you're not really sure if uh, we're about to have an empire or if it's actually ending and it's like the you know is the death star just about to have score its greatest triumph or is it just about to blow up and it's like well gee i'm living on the death star gee what it's like you could easily see how you could be attached to um particular outcomes and <laughs> and uh maybe uh the same thing is to not be too attached to any one of them you know because well, the buttons with their mandala man it's like yeah hey, it's beautiful and it's got value and it's cool and it took our time and effort and energy and sweat and we cared but we can't care too much because here comes that gust of wind here comes that change yeah yep yep gosh so um are we uh almost at the at the end here yeah time? i mean we're pretty much wrapping up is there okay. anything you kind of want to part with mentally or leave listeners with uh to ponder well i suppose that uh you know in my own uh my family situation which is something that is was quite unanticipated to discover i have relatives on the other side of the world at this time in my life and you know it's really it was a it was one of those it felt miraculous and i want to uh encourage people to to be open to those you could live in a world where it's just the way things are not not the exception but the rule um so i really uh i, I gotta say as far as feeling a sense of connection and starting to understand myself uh that connecting with these relatives it was one of the it was probably the best thing to happen all year uh i know sometimes family can be a burden or to other people to other folks you know something to escape from but um not in my case so that's, that's what's up i'm glad you uh finland man i guess you have an out if you ever got family in finland if you ever need to dip over well there. that's that's uh that thought has crossed my mind we'll see uh you know don't know if i'll be having to do some refugee couch surfing anytime soon i hope not. personally i like to stick around here for a while yeah, well, then follow what you love, right? Don't, yeah. don't worry about the fear. Well, we got a got got a movie to make, you know, and uh, think it's going to happen. It's a weird feeling. You ever do you ever have the feeling of the hand of destiny? So you know what that's like. I don't know if you if, if you felt it, but a uh, couple times. Yeah, and it's uh, it's kind of like oh, so this this is really going to happen, huh? You know, and it's like, well, I think I'm, I'm, I'm ready for, um, you know, it's about time. I think the world could use it. And in terms of having uh, some uh, remarkable stories to tell um, that film, I'm uh, the film I'm working on this uh, script is going to include um what you might call an obi-wan type of character i think people will immediately uh recognize that the the, the uh, mystic mentor type uh, i think that is gonna lead to some interesting uh some scenes so anyway that's that's uh that's what's been going on i'm just uh immersed in that script it's a beautiful thing 
Well, it sounds like you're following your highest excitement and regardless of the circumstances. So that's what you really need to keep doing. I hope yeah. uh, you have fun with the story. I'm glad it seems like, I mean, at the very least, it's cathartic and helpful for you. So I'm sure it could ripple out and just mm-hmm. keep cracking at it, you know, like do mm-hmm. it, you know? Mm-hmm. sometimes that's just the most you can do is, uh, you know, some lady made a flag while Francis Scott Key was getting this, you know, ship blown up or whatever. So it's like, uh, just do what you can with what you got. And that's really all we can do here. Yeah. Well, you can be, you could be, uh, singing or dancing, making art, playing, a, you know, playing an instrument. And it's all, you know, that's all part of the same thing. I think it's, uh, there are these things that come through us and that's what we're here for. You know, we're, um, I think, you know, the feeling, you know what I'm talking about, Jim. I definitely get it. I mean, as Jerry Garcia says, <laughs> without love and the dream, it'll never come true. And the things we love will drive us through the darkest of times. That's what gives us hope. That's what gives us meaning. Um, so I do appreciate you coming on, Wayne. It's been a pleasure. Uh, we'll have to get you on um, again and talk about the script in detail when you've kind of fleshed it out a little more. Um, yeah. And just, yeah. you know, hopefully I mean, that'll probably be after the election. So we'll have even more to talk about, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, thanks again for I'm coming really on. I'm curious about that. <laughs> okay. Well, it's a pleasure. And I'm glad that uh, we're connecting on this level. It's, uh, I don't have a heck of a lot of people that I can talk to like this. And it, 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 so it, it counts. It really does. Well, as above, so below. So what you're going through, we all are. Don't sweat it. And I, yeah, yeah, hit me up anytime if you want to just shoot the shit off off record. And I'm sure Raphael's down to talk. Um, it's fun right. having you know a group therapy couch here. That's part of what the service does <laughs> for me too. So it's all good. I uh, hope you have a good afternoon in San Francisco and keep doing what you love, brother. Thank you, and you too, man. Thank you so much for joining, Wayne. Uh, thank you all for listening. And yeah. Life can certainly be just like a fairy tale if you act like you know that it is. So, everyone, thanks mm-hmm. again and uh, enjoy yourselves. Radio-talk.